Well, hey, uh, when you said people not sitting up front, so when we do this, so in our in our kids' ministry, I'm, I, I purposely don't set up chairs in the back right off the beginning, and um, I only have them sit in the, and they just have to fill up the front, and then after the kids are all seated, then we start filling in the other chairs so the kids don't sit back there and they're forced to sit up front, and then all of our kids that come in late, they, then they have a seat and they're not trying to figure out where to sit. So that, uh, that's a little trick that we've done. So there, there's a, a freebie before we get started here. If you want to figure out how to get your kids to sit up front, just don't set up chairs in the back. So it works out great. But before we, I am going to right now, here we go. Um, so my name is Derek, and um, I serve at a church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's called People's Church. I have been on staff at People's Church now for 22 years, um, and I've had the amazing opportunity to serve there, especially in the children's role. Um, but recently, they have begun to train or change our uh, titles, and so now I'm an associate pastor, which only means I do more stuff. That's kind of what that, that is. You're like, yes, that's exactly what that means. So, but I still oversee um, all the design of our church. So anything that goes print media or video or all of that, I, um, I still do all of our kids' ministry stuff, which is the thing I love doing the most after 22 years. I love it. It is fantastic. And I also now am uh, looking at and restructuring every one of our teams that are in our church. So from the person that's on the safety team and the person helping you walk across the street to the kids and teens and all of that. And so a brand new, nice, small responsibility that they've given you me to manage, but that's something brand new that we're getting ready to do. Um, but when I really stop and think what I love doing, it is kids' ministry. I still get excited every Sunday morning. I'm like, I get to do this again today. And uh, I get in and go, and I love seeing the kids. I love watching them walk into our classrooms. I love seeing our leaders smile. I love seeing the families walk in and hearing the child cry and scream, I don't want to leave. And I'm like, yes! You know, that's great. It's much better to have them not want to leave than not want to come in. And so then you go back to your teams, you're like, you are doing fantastic. This kid don't want to leave today. That's the greatest thing we we could ever have and the teacher's like oh, this child needs to leave you know like please they need to leave we need to reset because we have other kids coming in but I still get as energized today as I did 22 years ago when when I started um, today I want you guys to walk out of here encouraged because you are in the trenches doing an amazing job I my hat goes off to to you you're in this room you're serving you're wanting to work with kids. You're wanting to know how to, can we work with kids in, in a greater fashion. But you're my heroes. I, you know, a lot of you, I'm sure, are not paid to do what you do. Um, I am paid to do what I do, but my volunteer and my team, I can't do that without them. And so for those of you that are sitting in this room, listen, the church cannot operate without you guys. Today I heard from one of my friends and he was sharing some things with me and he was trying to get me to go to Vietnam with him um, and Thailand to go through a, a, an experience. And he, and he said something to me that I actually wrote down. I'm like, uh, this is something I will remember. God is dropping off babies at our doorsteps for us to take care of. And so whether we can look at that from the standpoint of he's giving us actual babies to take care of or we can look at it from the standpoint of he's bringing in people into our churches that we need to take care of. And all of you are in this role to take care of people. So 
You are amazing and you are awesome. I also want to be able to give some opportunities to, for you guys to ask me questions. Um, I want to be here as a resource for all of you. One of the, one of the roles that I, I serve in, in for the state of Ohio is I'm one of the, the kids' ministry coaches, so if you'd like to take things down, write things down. I am um, going to give you my email address um, because I would love to answer questions, um, to be able to give resources, to be able to share things. Um, my email address is Derek, so it's D-E-R-E-K. Um, I don't have a pen right on the board. I actually put it over there, but that's okay. So it's Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at peopleschurch.co. Now that CO is important. If you put an M there, you're not going to get an email to me. So it's just .co. Think of it as like .cincinnati, Ohio. Um, that's kind of the best way to go through that. I also, I, I, I don't like doing this, but I was like, hey, it's a great opportunity to, to be able to share these resources with you. Um, after 22 years of doing ministry, I was like, I have to do something for our kids and our families because our families are the ones that are really responsible to disciple their children. But they also don't know how to do it because it's, it's tricky, it's hard. And so I, I have written two books. Um, and it's just a way for families to disciple their children in a very simple, easy way. Um, the book one, is it starts with salvation, water baptism, communion, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. And it just kind of walks you just simple things away for a mom, a dad, a grandma, grandpa, whoever that grown-up is that's in that kid's life. They can sit down with that child and they can and do discipleship together. It's also written in a way where a child could do this by themselves. Second, third graders in our, in our ministry have done this by themselves and they're available to do that. They can do that. The second one was written on why do we do missions? How do we share our faith? Um, what is worship all about? And then giving the kids an opportunity, one of our kids asked one time, I would love to know every book in the Bible. I'm like, well, that's a lot of to want to know. But I did. I broke it down and wrote like a paragraph on every book of the Bible, and it kind of gives a brief synopsis for a child. So I do have some of these here, but they're also on, on Amazon as well. And my assistant, um, she's also written a book, and I, I grabbed the Spanish one out of the book, out of the box, but she wanted to be able to give kids an opportunity in a way to memorize scripture out of at least one scripture from every every book of the Bible. And so she's got a, just a quick, easy way. So these are here. These were like $5, and then the discipleship books were 10 but they're here. I just wanted to be able to offer that as a resource to you guys as well. I have a few here, but they're on Amazon.com as well. You can pick up both of those. Um, so let's jump in. I had to get that stuff out of the way. So one of the things that we can do in a nuts and bolts, and this may be like, wow, I was coming in to hear about BGMC and JBQ because I saw that was in the description. I saw that was in the description too last night. Um, and so... I did not write any of that stuff in there. It was a shock to me. I was like, what? What is this? You know? So I was like, well, first off, BGMC is fantastic. What an amazing way to help your kids learn about missions. So do it. Bring them into a whole new worldview. And if a kid comes to you with an idea of what they can do to help raise money to do for their missionaries, don't say no to them. Just go for it. A few weeks ago, one of our, our, our littles came up to us, and we had this time and during our worship time, and we always give them this opportunity because I'm like, we're worshiping to God, we've spoken to Him, now let Him speak to us. And she's sitting down there, it was a day we were talking on one of our countries, and, and she's sitting there, and she gets up, I'm like, what did the Holy Spirit say to you? That I'm supposed to make cookies so I can give the money to Jesus. Fantastic! Two weeks later, she shows up with cookies and just starts selling them, and nobody knew she was going to be doing this. And so, <laughs> but... That little girl that morning stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning from Saturday to Sunday baking cookies and then walks down with me with a wad of money. Look what I just did! And she sold like $150 worth of cookies that Sunday. And she's like, I'm doing it again in a month 
and I'm doubling the cookies because I'm going to be able to give $300 to Jesus. So just if they say that they have something, let them do it. Let them listen to the Holy Spirit. You may have a kid say, ah, I just want to, I want to be a dancer. Sweetie, you be the best dancer you can, but I'm not in dance class yet. You know, but it's like she's hearing from the Holy Spirit. So give them some of those moments in that. So that's, that's BGMC. JBQ is also a phenomenal, a phenomenal ministry. Um, my wife was telling me earlier t- yesterday that she was a part of JBQ and she went to the national tournament from North Dakota. She's originally from North Dakota. And so she did JBQ as well. If you want your kids to in your churches to learn scripture and facts about the Bible, JBQ is an amazing resource for them. I used to serve on the state JBQ team and help do all of Cincinnati and Dayton's JBQ programming. These kids would blow me out of the water with being able to answer questions. I'm like, you'd sit down with them. I'm like, I give the answer. No, Pastor Derek, that is wrong. The answer is this. I'm like, listen, in the Pastor Derek JBQ version, my answer is right, okay? I might not have yours, but it is the right answer. So JBQ and BGMC. And it's all on the Ohio Kidmen Ministry uh, website as well. You can get all that information. And they have a booth set up next door where you'll be able to get some more, uh, more materials and information about JBQ and BGMC. Both awesome, awesome things. So... First thing I can give you with some nuts and bolts is this. Serve your pastor. That is the very ground level of of what we can do. It sounds super simple, but it can also be very challenging because we might not do the same things the way that our our leaders would do that. And I know for me, I, I don't do the things the same way my lead pastor does. I've just had the opportunity to work with the same lead pastor for 22 years, and so we've learned how to work with each other. Um, we don't see eye to eye on all things at all times, and that's okay because we're two different people. But I can tell you in the instances that we haven't seen eye to eye, we've been able to sit down and we've been able to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We built that relationship together. And then ultimately, it comes back to me, what is my role? My role is to serve my pastor. I've had conversations that could have left me feeling completely negative towards them. In moments, I stop, I realize who I'm serving. I'm serving my lead pastors, Chris and Jan. And then our first priority for all of us in this room, whether that's serving your lead pastor, it's serving your children's pastor, it's serving an associate pastor, it's serving a kids ministry director, that is our first priority. It's to serve them. Serve them, serve them, serve them. That's what Jesus did for us. You think of that, the last thing that Jesus did before he died was he served his disciples. That's the last thing he did. He didn't go out and do more miracles. He served his disciples. And so for us, we have to be in that that frame of mindset to be able to serve people that are around us. You've been entrusted to, to lead in an area on their behalf. And it's easy to turn that around and feel like they're the ones that should be more vocal about what we do. But the people that we're serving are are in roles that they have a lot going on. And they always can't see what is happening in every little area in the church. And they're trusting you to be their eyes and ears. So when you see something, you hear something, write it down. Remember what, what you're seeing. Remember what you're hearing from families. Because all that information is super important. And then bring it back to your leads and say, here's what we're hearing. Here's what we're seeing. What can we do? Begin to ask those questions. Be humble and, and, and accept healthy criticism. And notice I said healthy criticism. Um, you should not be treated like an inferior, especially when you're in those serving roles. Don't, 
I know it's, it's hard in a church, and it's hard to get volunteers, and, and I know that. It is super tough, especially considering what we've walked out of in rebuilding teams and getting more people, and I'm sure you're all shaking your head like, yes, it is, it is a challenge right now. Valuing the team that you currently have will help continue to get more people because they feel wanted, they feel needed. Everybody that walks into your rooms, let them feel wanted and let them feel needed. And that is one of the greatest things you can do for them. Honor them. Honor them at every chance you can get. And then continue to just praise the ones that show up faithfully. Um, something I've learned over many years of this is just don't even worry about it. You know, don't let Sunday morning or Wednesday evening, that time come in and the first thought you have is, I don't have enough leaders in my room to serve my kids. Think of it like this. I get to come in this morning and I get to serve these kids. And the team that we have is going to be the best that they can be and we're not going to worry that we're missing three people today. We are going to give these kids the best experience we have because this is the chance that they get to go and be introduced to Jesus. So honor, honor that team. But anyways, back with the, the criticism part. In moments of criticism do happen, just begin to ask questions. Can you give me an example of something that I've done? Can you give me an example of what I could do better in our early childhood area? Can, can you give me an example of how I can lead better? And let those examples sit in and be like, okay, what can, what can I begin to do? I wish someone would have told me years ago um, how my brain was, was wired, that I am not logical most of the time. Um, my wife and I joke that I have a little monkey that lives inside of my brain. And that monkey controls every moment of my life. And the monkey would be like, you know what would be a great idea? Let's rip down that wall in the kitchen. And then the wall comes down. And then I sit back and be like, man, I shouldn't have done that. You know? <laughs> but I'm super emotional. And I know that. I am emotional first, logical second. I jump into it with my heart. I'm like, yeah! And I'm there and I'm ready to go and I'm oh, that, yeah, that was way too fast. And so I, I say that because when I'm feeling something, I'm feeling hurt by somebody saying, hey, Derek, you didn't do this right. My first initial response is, whoa, I go right to emotion first. And, and the reality is like, well, what they're trying to share with me is something probably pretty logical. I just can't get past that. And so knowing that about yourself really does help in these moments of, of criticism. I can usually say that uh, it wasn't a big deal of, of what I could do. You know, I could be like, oh yeah, you could say, hey Derek, you're not doing this well, or, or this is not happening. And my first response now is, okay, good. Before it wasn't. It was a huge, huge, major, major deal because I wanted to get defensive. I wanted to instantly be like, uh-uh, no, you, you're talking about me. You're talking about what me, and what they're really talking about is not you, it's about what is happening or what is doing. And that, that maybe come from a, a, a person that you're serving under, or that a lot of times comes from the families that we serve. Be able to separate that in yourself. Separate who I am. First off, you're a king and a child, or you're a son and daughter of a king. You serve Jesus. You're that first. Secondly, you're a, a nursery worker or you're a, a ranger leader. Secondly, you're a JBQ coach. Secondly, you're these things. But knowing who you are first is super important, especially when it comes into how you handle, handle criticism. So publicly, when we, we have our leaders that we're in charge of, um, I, I shared that sometimes I don't see eye to eye with Chris. Um, in, our, in our meetings, in our public meetings, I will never say something in a public meeting. I will never counter 
you know, counter, have counter opinion of what he's saying in something. If it's something that is really means something to me, I will make sure to go and talk to them privately. Because you never want to do that in, in, a, in a main public meeting. Never undermine your leader in that, in that moment. If there's something that you want to talk with your leader about, whether it's somebody that you serve underneath, talk to them privately. Don't make it a moment where it's known to everybody. Because it, it's... It, it's uh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, it's very personal in that moment, but it's also it's a safer place for both of you because then you can have that conversation together without being in a in a quick meeting in a hallway. You're like blah blah blah, and everyone's yelling, and you and both people walk away super frustrated. So take those moments. So, but as kids leaders, as pastors, as volunteers, our number one role to serve your pastor, serve the pastor of of your local church. The second thing that I would say, hey, and one another nut and bolt here would be to know the vision of your church. Um, how many of you in this room are, your remain your responsibility is basically oversight of the kids' ministry that happens in your church? You, you, are, you are that person. Awesome. Okay. How many of you are, you're a volunteer, you're, you're just serving under another person? Great. Cool. So the reality is those two roles are, are really vastly, they're vastly different. You know, one is here and then one is here, but you're really still equal in the sense of you're, you're ministering to children. But, um, in those two areas, you could be a volunteer serving underneath a children's pastor and your vision for your classroom may be different from the vision of your children's pastor that you're serving with or that leader. You have to make sure your visions line up because then you're button heads all the time. You may be the one that is directly involved in leading the children's ministry and you're having to report to maybe the associate pastor, you're having to report to your lead pastors of your churches and you may have two different visions and then you're going to be button heads. But your vision of your children's ministry should mimic and match the vision of your church. So what's your vision? What is the plan to get you from A to Z? Where does that plan come from? Um, I want to ask you guys a simple question. So someone shout out the answer. Kids Church Sal, you ready for this? What's the vision and mission of your church? Anybody? What is yours? Yeah. That all would know the abundance of God. That all would know the abundance of God. What is the mission and vision of your children's ministry? Very good. Yeah. Anybody else? What's the vision of your church? Loving Jesus, serving others, and... Yeah. What was, it? What was the third one? Serving our community. Serving our community. Okay. Cool. Alright, so since there's a lot of silence either, that means you don't know what the vision and mission of your church is, and you should go and learn that, or it's just you're, you're shy and you don't want to shout it out loud. So um, at People's Church, this is our vision. Our, it's a vision to be racially reconciling, generationally rich, life-giving church, thriving in the heart of the city. That is our, our, our vision. Our mission is to uh, create access for all people to Jesus and his kingdom. So you're like, how in the world would you turn that into something for children? And well, here's what we did. And Peeps is, Peeps is the name of our children's ministry at our church. People's Church, Peeps, you know, it worked out great. Um, and it's to be a group of kids of all ages and races who accept each other and who are growing in God. And the mission is then to create access for all kids to know Jesus. So the vision and direction of our kids' ministry ultimately funneled down from the vision of the, the church. And so everything that we do within our kids' ministry mimics the vision of the church. So that way your parents aren't hearing two different visions. They're not hearing two different missions. They're hearing one common theme coming in from the top down. Because we want our children to be a part of the church. We want our children to grow up to not just love Jesus, but to love the church. 
And so continuing to give them common themes from baby to, to adult, it's so important for them to be able to hear those things. Um, one of the other things that we did is um, we've tried, tried to find a way for our kids to be able to repeat our vision. Um, on every Sunday. How do we do this? How do we break down what we would say, people's church, these are our cores, these are our, uh, things that we want our kids to, to know. How do we get them to repeat it? And it took a little bit, but we figured it out one Sunday. And I asked the kids now, you can get up there and be like, hey everybody, you have a choice to wake up and, and then all of our kids will shout out, rise. And so then they know, what does rise stand for? Reach all. Include all. So we are important for us to go out and reach all people, no matter what they look like, no matter what nationality they come from, their background. We are going to reach every kid. You can do that in your school. You're going to include all. Everybody is included. You're going to be friends with everybody. You are going to include black, white, brown. Everybody is going to be included. And when you walk into these places, it is your responsibility to include all of them. You're going to stand up for all. One of our big pieces that we love at People's Church is biblical justice. We have biblical justice initiatives that we are a part of all throughout our city. But for a kid, what does that mean? Well, that means you can stand up for every other child that is being picked on, bullied, marginalized. That is your responsibility. Stand up for them. And then you embrace all. You show them love. And so we've taken this as a mantra for the kids to be able to shout out. And then the next year we, we started adding something different. Now we want them to know that you are a leader. That you are loved. That you are saved. That you are smart. And so then now the kids are like, what are we? I am a leader. I am brave. I am. And so they're shouting these things out and it all came from the top as a way to teach our kids what we feel as our church and what our mission is, that is, is important. So find creative ways to get the vision of your church into your kids, lining them up together. One ministry does not become more important than the other when your mission and your vision aligns. The youth ministry is not more important than the kids' ministry when your vision aligns. Because here's what happens when we have misaligned visions. Your greeting team, first people, they feel, I'm the most important team because everybody sees me first. Your worship team, well, I'm on stage and I feel, well, they probably, yeah, they're just as important. Your youth ministry team, well, we do the best because we're, we're working to teenagers and we're the best. Well, yes, great. The kids ministry is like, yeah, you guys don't have any clue what it's like being down with us. We are truly the best and we're the best at what we do and, and without us, then nobody else can have church. Yes, that is also true. But it's not a competition in the church because everybody that's walking through that door is expecting something different. So whether they're expecting as a family to come through and see a fully staffed kids ministry or they're walking through the door to they don't have children but they're ready there to experience an amazing time of worship in the Lord, all of those things are equally as important. And so we're not fighting, we're not, we're not battling toward each other's ministries. I know in, in my years of doing this, I have handed over more people to more different worship teams than I can, or different ministry teams in our church than I can care to count. And every time they're like, Pastor Derek, I think I should need to go and serve on the youth team. And inside I'm thinking, no, you shouldn't, you know. <laughs> but then I sit there and I'm like, well, that's what God's asking them to do. Go. You go and serve on that team because that's what God wants you to do. So uh, another nut and bolt here that we can get through is know your families. There was a, a report by Orange and if you don't know, this Orange is a curriculum provider, but they did, it was called the Orange Report with ParentQ. And it, this is what it revealed in 2022. It revealed more than 50% of Christian parents feel their church could be more supportive of their parenting. And about 50% of parents also say that pastors, clergy, 
don't understand the realities of their lives or value them as parents. So, hearing that, our role is to meet the needs of the people and live a life of service and sacrifice. And to do this well, we must know what our parents are dealing with, what they need, and what they feel. Find out what your families value. Another a group that does research is called the Arbor Research Group, and it take, took the top three things that parents are concerned with today. And number one is their children's mental health. Number two, it's access to opportunities. And number three is character development. The only difference they found between Christian homes and non-Christian homes was number four. In the Christian home, it was faith. That is the only thing out of the top four that separated the non-Christian home and the Christian home. So your families right now in your churches are concerned about their children's mental health. They are concerned about giving them opportunities of access. And I don't really know what that means, but it could be opportunity to access to other education. It could be opportunity to access to other arts. It could be opportunity of access to, to travel the world. We don't know what that really looks like, but parents are looking for their kids to do something. They're tired of having their children just entertained is what that's telling me. They're ready to do something. And then they want their kids to grow up with good character development. The Bible is full of character development. And that's what parents are, are looking for them. So when I read those statistics, it shows that there is a huge importance talking to our families. And at the same time, there is a huge fear of talking to our families. <laughs> it was probably 15 years ago, we were watching a, a shift happen in our, in our church. And when we started the church, when I started working there, we were called First Christian Assemblies of God. That was what our name was. Um, the church now is about... I think we're pushing close to 120 years old. Um, we are actually older than the Assemblies of God. Um, and so there was, before that, our, our, one of our ladies in our church um, brought back uh, the Holy Spirit because she went to the Azusa Street Revival. We can, they, we can go all the way back. Her name was Nancy Starrett. We have the names everything. And so she went there. The church sent her and said, hey, there's something happening. We've got to go figure out what this is. They brought her back the years later after the Azusa Street Revival happened. Um, one of our, our pastors, he was there. Um, he was also planting churches in Kentucky because we're right on the border. He had by himself planted over 45 churches in Kentucky. He became the Assemblies of God Kentucky uh, superintendent at the time. We weren't even a part of the Assemblies of God. He was. He's planting all these churches. He's like, I think maybe we should be a part of the Assemblies of God. And everyone's like, sure, we'll be first Christian Assemblies of God. But in our community, no one knew what that was. And so we began to change the name because the vision was beginning to, if we're going to impact our city, we've got to look like our city. We've got to welcome in everybody from our cities. And so we changed the name to People's Church. And so our church began to change. We began to see kids and it come in from all walks of life, black and white and brown. And at the time, we were, we were still at the end of, of riots that happened in our city. And so we're having all these new families coming in. They're hearing about the name. They're walking in and they're seeing everybody from every walk of life um, walking in there. And it's, it is truly amazing to see when you walk in to see 40 plus different nations in our church. And to walk in, it, it makes me tear up because it's like, that was hard work. Right. It was intentional work that we did. Yeah, you got to... What, what city are you guys in? In Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep, Cincinnati, Ohio. And so when we had families come in, you're getting now all these new families that are not churched, but they're walking in and they're seeing, what is God doing here? There's, 
there's everybody here. And if you're getting along, we can do church together. And, and you're starting to see more, more mixed families walk in the door. And they're like, I finally have a place where my kids can come in and they feel like themselves and, and they feel safe. Well, we also began to see that some of our programming was not working anymore. And they're like, well, they're coming to Sundays, but they're not coming to Sunday school. They're coming to the kids' ministry experience, but they're not going into, their, into these other experiences. The, our, our Wednesday evening numbers started to drop and drop and drop as because you've got families that there's no, church is no longer a priority for them. It's not been something that they've ever done. And so I sat down in my youth and my, in my yeah, crazy question and said, what are we doing wrong? I had 15 families I sat in that weren't coming to things. What are we doing wrong? And I had my leaders sitting in the room too. And I had no clue what they were about to say, but they said it. <laughs> and, and I first sat there and had to remind myself, separate myself from what they're saying. They're not saying this about me. They're trying to help us with our ministries. And so we began to just hear what they were missing, what they were looking for. They weren't saying it in a way to say, we hate the church, we don't like you. They were saying, these are the things that would help us better as, as families. And we began to make some of those little changes and said, you know what, if we change this, if we can just do this, what will you then do? Will you be a part of it? Yeah, and so one of the, the big things that we changed those years ago was we, were, we went from a traditional midweek programming and people weren't coming to it. We were down to about 15 kids in a, in a midweek, but yet a Sunday morning there'd be like 150 kids. And you're like, we're not even getting 10% of our kids. What would you do? So we tried a trial and said, we will change and offer these different things. And we broke things into categories. We were giving kids experiences, opportunities to learn how to be a photographer, learn how to do pottery, learn how to, you know, whatever it was. We had different, different pieces that we had set up. And still keeping all biblical teaching and all that stuff and breaking kids out into groups and doing everything like that. We honestly went from 15 kids, one Wednesday night, launched something brand new the next Wednesday, had 80 children, and we didn't know what to do with them. But it was those families that said, if you can just make this change, we will show up and help. And they did. And so don't take everything that your family say as we have to do this. Because weigh it, weigh it with your leaders. You're going to hear some really good things. You're going to hear some very personal things that they would just like. And you guys know all your families in your churches, they're all different. And they're all going to want something that you might not be able to offer but when you can line it back towards your vision and you can line it back towards your mission, then you can start to get things back on track. So every, every response, every question that you might get, every answer you get from a question asking, how can we serve you better? Weigh it back to what's our mission? What's the vision of our church? And weigh it back on those things. And if it lines up, fantastic. And depending on how big your box is, if it fits inside that mission vision box, go for it. If it doesn't, after you've weighed things, don't do it. More than likely, that family's not going to remember what they said anyways. Um, they're just saying it in that moment, hey, yeah, we want to do this. Or if it doesn't and they say something to you, just ask, well, you know what, right now, that doesn't fit within our mission and vision. Help me to see how this would fit here. How does this fit in here? If they can come up with a way to do it, your next step would be this. Well, would you help me lead that? Because a lot of times what, you're finding, what you'll see is they're wanting you to lead something and they're not wanting to jump in and help you. So just ask them, would you lead this? If it's that important to them and they step up to lead it, great. Now you go find somebody else to lead this with you. 
So that way you're not stuck having to lead something that they really want to do because six months later they might just be like, I'm all done doing this. So having them go and find someone else to lead with them. Establish trust with your families. Dynamic partnerships are built on trust and truth. Um, Stephen Covey says that trust is the highest form of human motivation and it brings out the very best in people. So when we as kids leaders and pastors, the ones that are in charge and volunteers, when we set up trust, it will bring out the best in our parents. It brings out a confidence in them to know what we're doing. Um, doing kids ministry in our, in our church in the same place for a long period of time really does help to establish trust. When we say, hey, we're going to go in this direction, there's not that, no, we're not going there. Oh, we trust you because we've seen the things that we've done in the past and we've seen that it's worked. It's also helped within my, our, our board and with our pastor to say, oh, Derek, we have trust. We've got longevity. We've have, we have this connection now because we've taken time to build this. We can go ahead and, and do this with you. Let's, let's, let's run with it. So build that trust. Confidence is an essential ingredient if pastors and parents are going to become more collaborative in their children's faith foundation. You have to build that trust and confidence. Build a biblical foundation. Most parents don't know how to raise their children with a biblical worldview or how to even invest in their children's faith formation. That's why they bring them to you. They don't know how to do it. I mean, and sometimes we can, we can laugh and be like, oh, I'm glad they don't because it's giving me something to do, right? But we only get them like an hour a week. And they're, they're wanting their kid to come in within that hour to learn everything they can about the Bible. And then when that child walks out of that room, the very first question that parent asks is, did you have fun today? And then you're sitting there like, did you not have fun today? You know, this is, no, that is not the first question that you should be asking your kid. Did you have fun? Yes, they're going to have fun, but what did you learn? So if that's starting to have a question, begin to ask them questions of, who did you meet today? You know, set up, give your parents those simple things like, who did you meet what was your lesson about? Not did you have fun or in our church we have, we have the big answer. So what was the big answer today? What does it mean to, to rise? And so then that parent is continuing to reinforce what we're, what we're talking about. Um, giving parents those questions to ask their kids then begins to take the responsibility from it's you to do this and it begins to switch it back to what their responsibility is because the rest of the week they're with them. Something that we've done and we begin to see some really, really good uh, responses from this is I use um, a curriculum in our, in our church. We just switched a few years ago. It's called the Bible Engagement Project. So I don't know how many, if you, any of you use that. If you're not using it, I would seriously say go for it. Year one, it walks you through Genesis to Revelation. Then it also gives you discipleship, devotional material for your children to do four days a week. And so we saw this one year, we tried it, we we're like, hey, let's do this. And we were giving parents handouts, you know, you give parents handouts, you know where those handouts end up going, they go right into the trash because parents have enough stuff to take care of and you're trying to talk to them and the kid's going crazy and you're doing all this. And so what I ended up doing was I took the Bible Engagement Project stuff, and they know this because I've talked with people that write their stuff. I took every one of their devotionals, I packaged it together in a book. And so when you walk in, you will get an entire year's devotional for your kids. And those parents keep that because it's a book, and they didn't throw it away. And I actually had just recently, one of our, it was our board member, came down, and he was just like, because one of his kids is in our, in, our, in our ministry, he's like, I love this. I am learning more about the Bible now than I thought, I thought I knew a lot, 
and now I'm sitting down every day at dinner with my kids and we're just walking through a simple devotional that tied back into the lesson that we did that day. And so it's giving a parent that opportunity to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or whatever that looks like, however they, they take those four days. But the kid will hear what we talked about on Sunday. Then they can go on Monday, hear the same lesson. Tuesday, hear the same thing. Wednesday, hear the same thing. Thursday, hear the same thing. And so all week long, that kid is beginning to be discipled by, by their family. Give them easy ways to disciple their kids. Don't take it for granted that they know what to do. They don't. I went to Bible college for four years and I can do theology and I can do those things. But man, when it came down to discipling my own children in my own home, I still sat there like, what the heck am I supposed to do? You got me back in kids' church and in front of all the kids and teaching class. Yay, I can do that. And you're back at home. What am I supposed to do with this stuff? And so even for me, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to say the right things to disciple your kids. And so as somebody that is their full-time job, can you imagine what it's like for a family that does not have that background? It's hard for them. Find simple ways for them to disciple their children. Because what will end up happening is not only will their kid grow in their faith, that parent is also going to, to grow in their faith as well. Create as many opportunities for your parents to study and engage in conversation about God, expect, expectations, and purpose for the family. And so we should actively be preaching and actively be sharing on family matters and casting a biblical vision for parenting with parents. Another thing, cultivate relationships. Um, strong partnerships are closely aligned with solid relationships. It is tough at times, and I will speak because I'm, I'm a pastor at our church. One of the hardest things for me to do as a pastor is to build that strong relationship because uh, I have that fear, just being very vulnerable and honest with you, I've got that fear within myself is, oh, if I... If I'm really showing them the real side of Derek, well, then they're, uh, they're not going to want to be with real Derek because there's always that pastor hat on at times for me. And so I'm still saying to myself, and it's something that I'm always trying to do, continue to build a strong relationship with people. Build a strong relationship outside of just being at the church. Find people. Meet people. They don't care about my story. They just care about me. And so when we can build that within our families, we're not just seeing that, hey, how are you doing? Oh, welcome to Peeps today. Or, or hi, sweetie. And you're not calling that child by their name. Um, parents pick up on that. So build that relationship with that family. And that might just mean going over and eating dinner with them or, or showing up for a, just giving a kid a birthday present or knowing when the parents, when their parents' birthday is. Something simple like that continues to build upon that idea that we're there to build trust. Because in the reality, if you think about it, they are putting their most trust in you guys because they're dropping their kids off. And then they're leaving to go to a completely different side of the building. And they're not seeing their kids for an hour, hour and a half. They don't really know what's going on inside those classrooms, but they've trusted you to do that. And so if you can win that more and more, then they're going to say, hey, to their friends, well, you can trust it here. You can trust what's happening here. Our kids are well taken care of. They're, there's well this, oh, you should meet so-and-so. You should meet this leader. And it's not just my responsibility as the kids pastor to be the one building these relationships. It's a responsibility of all of us as leaders and everybody that volunteers with kids. Build that relationship with that family. There may be one kid in your ministry that really does attach to you and you're like, wow, why is this kid? Then build it with that family. Just say, hey, you know, 
I want to get to know you guys even more. I see so-and-so, they, they love hanging out. They always have something to say to me. They're always wanting to, they always come up, give you a high five, and they're always doing these things, and they're always telling me about what's going on. But I know from them, but I want to get to know you. And that family then walks out of there feeling known, and they feel like they're, they're needed as well. So build that culture of connectedness. We should see ourselves not only as service providers, but facilitators of caring relationships. We should also know that parents value relational support more than they value how good your program is. Good programming is, is important, and, and, I, and I feel this strongly, is that we should always have the best for our kids. You know, when he said, oh, our kids are go down and teach out of a closet, you know, back closet, I was like, oh, no, no. But the reality is that's kind of how it feels sometimes. I get it. You know, our, our building is four stories, and so we're on the second floor, and so at times you hear him say, oh, you're going to go downstairs to the kids. And I'm like, don't say downstairs, you know, because it just makes it feel bad. You're like, no, we're going to the peeps floor, you know, go to the peeps, you know. And so it's just, again, all that wording. But making sure we have the best of stuff is, is super important. Your crayons are sharpened. They're not just nubs, and, you know, your, your paper is not scrap paper. You're, you know, you're not using recycled stuff from years that are, says the wrong date on it. Um, all that stuff is important, but even more important than that is making sure that your families are connected to within your ministry, but also to each other. So giving those families opportunities to connect with each other as well. Finding, always finding ways to ramp on people's connections and then scale your programs down. After doing kid ministry for so long, I've seen a lot of, a lot of changes in philosophies and models of, of kids programming. Um, I started and was like, hey, let's, let's get in there and we got to entertain our kids. And some of the part of that just never really sat well with me. I get that our kids, we have to have fun with them. I get that we have to have some form of entertainment. Um, I will say funny things and, and do things that in other contexts you'd be like, what in the world are you doing? It's why we create characters in kids' ministry or, or why, we, why we do puppets in kids' ministry. It's why we have videos. But I've watched kids' ministry go from super hands-on stuff to now all digital. And now we're looking at kids that are surrounded with digital and now we're trying to figure out what do we do now. And we went through a season of we didn't even know how to do ministry because no one could come to church. And so now our families are finally having that trust and confidence to begin to come back into the building. And now we're all sitting back going, what do we do now? Because they're used to having church like this and they're used to having this. And, and our kids are just sitting there just saying, just tell me truth. I, uh, analogy that I like to use is in kids ministry we've gone we're, we're moving I feel really is we're moving from this we're going to do kids ministry like Disney and we're shifting it back to doing kids ministry like a Mr. Rogers and, and we have to get back to making things simple we have to get back to giving a child not a an entertainment experience. We have to get to a place where they're feeling the Holy Spirit in our places. And when we structure things in a curriculum format, you'll, you'll always see that they don't have time for that. Well, if there's no time for that, looking through how do I make time for that? I don't like playing games. That's a waste of my time in kids' church. I will never play a game. I will maybe do something that will get all the kids involved, but you will never. All curriculums have a game. I'm like, shh, shh, cross it off. I just don't do it because 
I don't have time for a game. That's not important right now. What's important is giving that child an opportunity to commune with God and let them listen to God. To let them sit in silence and hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to them. And we can do that with two-year-olds. You can do that with fifth graders because they will listen. It is amazing what you hear from a kid. If you give them an opportunity to hear it, a few weeks ago, and I'm going to end with this, and I want to get you guys, I want to be able to answer as many questions as I can, but a few weeks ago, we gave our kids an opportunity, hey, we just welcome the Holy Spirit here. Let's listen for the Holy Spirit. It might feel like tingles on your body. You might have a name pop into your head. You might hear a country that God is telling you, and you never thought about that. You might hear God remind you of something. And, and one of our little girls, she just said, what did, what did God tell you? And in all these moments, I always then make them say it out loud. If you look at the, holy, the gifts of the Spirit, they're all, most, they're all verbal. So train them. Give them the confidence to be able to speak these things out loud. They'll do it even more when, when they're adults, if we can do it then. And so we, hey, who has something? And it'll start out real slow. We have one little kid. And then once one says it, then everyone has got something to say. And, and they may be hearing something truthfully, but... Don't ever be like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, well, did you really hear that? You know, just don't, just be like, yes, you're going to be a great dancer, sweetie. Or yes, you're going to, this is going to be great. But one of our little girls, it stopped me in my tracks that day. All she said was, God told me to be myself. Told me to be myself. But they're flooded with all of these things that tell them not to be themselves. Yeah. Not to be who they're created to be. You be this, and you be this, and you be this, and you follow this, and you follow this, and, and you go through all these things, and that's what your kids are just being blasted with. And it's all coming in the disguise of truth. And in that moment, she's like, just be myself. And you, then you have a whole teaching moment in that place to be like, yeah, we all need to be ourselves. I wish I could have been myself when I was your age and didn't worry about what everybody else is telling me who I should be like. And then I give an obscure reference of, when I was a kid, I was supposed to be like Mike. And everyone in there is like, who's Mike? You know? Yeah. yeah. Now it shows my age here. I'm like, Michael Jordan, the best basketball player ever! And they're like, no, it's LeBron James. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not even getting into this, you know? And so, because you're wrong. You know, that's, that's right. But that's what our kids are striving for. They're striving for something simple. They need that simplicity right now. They need to hear from the Holy Spirit. It's not a surprise to me as we're walking through the news and we've all heard it and seen it and, and just within the Asbury University that it started with students. It's not surprising. And God's trying to wake us all up and say there's an urgency to reach our students right now. There's an urgency. We have to save our children so when we go into our churches this week, go into your churches and minister as if it's the last Sunday that you will ever have a chance to minister. Because for some people it might be. It may be the last time you will ever see that child in that, in that service. So thank you for letting me to share some nuts and bolts. But I, I do want to give you guys some, an opportunity to ask any question and I will do my best to, uh, to answer some of those questions. And if you don't, they wanted us to kind of keep things moving today to get us back on track too, so... Any? Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. in our Sunday school, okay. we teach the nursery. 
and we have one point every week. We never miss this. We said this is God's word. His word is in here, and it's living. It's living. And those kids remember that. Yeah. They are just reading. And when they go to their next class, they do Awesome. I, I love that. I know I, I have a prayer that I'll do when she reminded me of a prayer. Every Sunday morning I have the same prayer and, and it's scripted right in there. And I'll change a few of the things depending on what the, what the lesson's going to be about, but it's the same prayer. And you can actually, starting to watch some of the kids and mimic that prayer, but one of the things is, is that, God, as we get into your word, open up our ears and open up our hearts to hear your true word. These words are true. They're not just stories. They're true and they're, and they're alive. So that's so, so cool. That is our verse every week. We read that word. This is God's word. Love that. Living. When she said that with two-year-olds, something too that if you can do is if you can find resources or curriculums that will align up every age kid to have the same lesson, that again, there's a simple thing that helps your parents and your grown-ups. We call them grown-ups in our church um, because we don't know what, who they're coming with. But everybody's got a grown-up. Instead of saying, hey, did you come with mom and dad? No, you came with a grown-up. And so um, we call everybody grown-ups. It's, it's, it makes it weird for some things, but we all have grown-ups in our life because we don't know if they're coming with their aunt or their uncle. They may be coming with grandma. They're getting dropped off with a, with a neighbor, you know. But at least there's a grown-up in their life. So whatever that grown-up is. Um, but if you can give something that says from, from baby to, to elementary and it's the same lesson across all platforms, it's just a win for your family so they're not trying to remember what, what lesson is being taught in what place and, and so thankfully now there's so many great curriculums that are beginning to line everything up. It's the same main point. It's the same memory verse. It's the same thing. We're not in this day where they would go to Sunday schools and have one lesson and come to, come to the, if there's a kid's church experience and have a different lesson and they're thinking Moses is building an ark and, you know, and, you know, Saul's riding donkeys and, you know, all this stuff, you know, it's like all this stuff's not being mixed up for them. We're, we're, we're it's taking us some time, but we're learning, hey, how do we continue to instill all these truths? In a, in a very easy way for our family. So thank you guys so much. And just learn as much as you can here this, this weekend. This is a fantastic experience. <laughs> well, thank you.